You're listening to Tech Writer Voices. I'm Tom Johnson, president of the Suncoast Chapter in Tampa, Florida. Today we're going to hear Karen Bachman talk about usability. She's going to provide an overview of user-centered design, talk about the steps in the process, show how usability fits with typical development lifecycle, and introduce other aspects. This is a three-part series that we're going to do. Some of the feedback I got from the survey on how you listen to podcasts uh, was that you prefer a 20-minute segment. So because this this was actually about an hour long, we're going to divide it into three chunks. Hopefully that will make it more listenable. A little bit about Karen. She's a senior member of the STC. She has 12 years of experience as a user experience consultant, which is her actual title. She's the current manager of the STC Usability and User Experience SIG, and she's presented at annual conferences. One more note. Because she has a PowerPoint presentation, and a lot of it ties really, I mean, she follows it very closely, uh, you can also listen to this podcast on your computer by watching the PowerPoint slides synced in real time to what she's talking about. So if you prefer to sit on your computer and listen, then then definitely follow along with the PowerPoint slide. If you're like me, who likes to listen to podcasts in the car or while I'm running, then then obviously the PowerPoint won't be something you can view. But it's something we're trying using a plugin for PowerPoint called Producer to make it. So if you like the accompanying PowerPoint with the audio, just let me know. All right, here's Karen. Okay, I called this Usability 101, and I realized I probably misnamed it. I probably should have called it Usability Sampler, because what I'm doing is a little bit of a different kind of presentation. What I'm going to do today is present to you kind of an overview of the usability process and some of the deliverables and activities that go on um, it within that process. Then I'm going to let you drive and tell me which areas you want to drill down in. And so uh, there will be a fair amount of audience interaction. Uh, it's new to me, it's new to you, I think, and so we'll both learn together. Um, but I have about 10 um, intro slides that will kind of just give us a big overview picture. And if we're completely fried late on a Thursday night and you don't want to drill in, that's okay. I want to be offended. We'll go to the question slide and I'll be posting this online and you can read the rest of it when you're a little fresher in the week. So. Um, as Tom said, I, I'm a usability consultant. I work in Orlando um, with Harcourt to, uh, right now. And um, I'm in the process of trying to build the process. So that's why I've been thinking about this a lot, thinking a lot about um, all the different things that go into implementing a usability process within an organization. So that's why I thought I'd tackle this subject and answer specifically any questions you had if you're looking at building that yourself or just thinking it might be something you might want to know more about going down the road. We're going to start off, though, <coughs> with some basic definitions that the field has about itself. These are the ISO definitions. There are two standards that cover usability. And what I want you to know, notice about these are this one, you look at product with effectiveness, efficiency, satisfaction. The second one, you start he hearing words like active involvement and iteration. And you start to see a contrast. A quality of a product is usability. A process to get quality, that quality of usability into product is usability. So I've broke these down. Um, 
they're in usual ISO language, which is dry and boring, so I'm going to move on to another set of definitions, a little less dry and boring, from the Usability Professionals Association, um, a sister organization of STC that I'm also a member of. And we look at things like meet user needs, again, equality. Jacob Nielsen is a well-known um, author, writer, expert in the field. Um, probably the most likely person you're going to find from the field who's quoted in the public press. Um, he's, he's often, anytime th something comes up about you know, e-commerce usability, it's Jacob Nielsen that is often being quoted. Uh, but quality attribute, ease of use. Again, we look at quality. Um, usability as an approach, though, is the starting of the UPA one. Uh, back to that process definition. And I think it's very telling that the UPA one ends with, there are many defin definitions of usability. And um, they, the rest of that quote is actually um, by authors of usability um, books and art articles. And there are tons of them. But all of them start to have some of these quality, process, quality, process. Well, that's Wikipedia, which is one of my favorite resources online. And we have, again, that same ease, which is quality, elegance, clarity, but then we have methods, designed. So a term to denote the ease of, with which users can employ a particular tool or other human-made object. That's an important qualifier. It's not just software, uh, in order to achieve a particular goal. I think that's a, a very good self-contained definition. That's why I include it here. It's, with human-computer interaction, I like the Elegance and clarity, that's something I haven't seen any of the writers use, and I think that that's very important, and we'll talk a little bit about that if you drill into the right subject. So, as I've been pointing out, usability is both a process, what some people refer to as big U usability, and a quality of a product. So, when someone like Tom asks me, can you talk about the usability of, say, online help or embedded help? I struggle with that because I tend to think of it, I tend to come to the process part of it more than um, to the, the quality, because the quality is very specific to whatever you're evaluating or creating. The process is applicable, applicable across all kinds of products. And that's what, as I said, I like that Wikipedia um, particular tool or other human-made object. It, the things that I'm going to tell you about tonight can be applied to online help, they can be applied to manuals, they can be applied to websites, they can be applied to marketing literature. I mean, it really is, you know, can the people employ whatever that is you're creating to achieve a particular goal? And marketing, you hope the goal is they buy your product and your boss likes you and gives you a great big bonus. But that's why I struggle when, when I hear questions like that. And, and I actually have a question from another person that, you know, can you come talk to us about um, developing large manuals? Because most of us are military um, personnel, or not military personnel, uh, military contractors who are writing documentation for that world. Can you talk about the usability? Well, yes, but not that specific. I probably can't tell you the qualities of that documentation, since it's not my space, that make it usable, but I can tell you how to get there and how to define that yourself. And all of this comes down to catchphrase of the profession in some ways is, it depends. <laughs> depends on the context you're working in. It depends on your users. It depends on um, what you're delivering and what audience it's in. Um, it's, you know, pretty much, if there's a worldwide discussion list called U-Test. It's hosted by um, Clemson. And I can, it's an invitation-only list. It's a closed discussion list, but it's got thousands, possibly tens of thousands members 
worldwide. Um, it is um, something that you get invited to if you're a member of the Usability and User Experience SIG, which is shortened UUX. Um, we actually tell you all about how to, who, to, who to write to and how to sign up. Um, we can't publish that publicly because it is a closed list. Um, the list owner does a very good job of keeping the noise off that list. It's all very um, pointed and, and quality discussion. And uh, it was a great mentoring tool when I first started out in the profession. And um, I find that a lot of conversations on that particular list start with, you know, you've asked a question. Well, it depends on, <laughs> and they go through the list of criteria that um, apply to that particular question. So um, it, it is a catchphrase, which is why I struggle when I'm asked specific questions. It's like I have to have all of the it depends answered, then I can give you an answer that makes some sense. But any questions about the definition? I, as I said, I'll be posting them, so I kind of whip through them. They're kind of dry, boring definitions. But what I'm going to go into now is just stepping through where usability fits in the development lifecycle. And it's any development. I'm going to probably use language that biases towards software development because that's the world I live in. But again, I said this, this information, these techniques, the method itself applies to any product you're working on, whether it's manual, whether it's online help, whether it's consulting on an interface for embedded help, whether it's a website, whether it's a marketing brochure or technical, I think more technical marketing brochure, white paper type of work. Um, I have a, the basic elements of a development life cycle here. You start with the analysis phase, design, move on to development, testing, maintenance. However you slice that up, pretty much those are the core activities that happen in any kind of development. You figure out what you want to do and who you want to do it for, figure out how that might look, you implement it, you make sure it works, and then you send it out to the world to live or die as the case may be. So that's the basic, any arguments about that? Any disagreements from your experience? But, uh, like I said, you can parse it out a lot of ways, but those are the five steps that seem to be universal and can be roll-up points for anything. And usability touches all of these phases. The usability process um, parallels this and complements it. You talk, um, UCD, user-centered design, is, is you'll start seeing that word. If you were to look at the literature, you see that much more frequently when we talk about the process. So UCD is the process itself, kind of replacing that, the big U, little U, because that got weird, um, that discussion. In the analysis phase, one of the key tasks of a usability specialist is to work on user research. Find out everything you can possibly about the people you're working um, for, and that's creating that product for. And um, part of that, actually task analysis and environment, environment analysis come out of that user research because you want to know who they are, what they're doing, and where they're doing it. Context of use is very important. So we'll, we'll go into each of these in my overview, and then we can drill down as we need to. Those are some key activities. There are some other ones, but those, those really encompass most of those. After you've done some analysis, you can start to create UI design prototypes. And you can start conceptualizing how that interaction to do the task that the users need might look, might work, how the, how the product will be. You have to develop usability requirements. Part of your user research will develop user goals. What do they want from the system? And that's not functionality. It's 
I want it to allow me to enter a um, order on a, in a call center in less than three minutes. Um, you know, that's a performance goal actually, but it ties into those kinds of goals tie into usability because you have to have an interface that supports that long-term goal and you start identifying those. And you can turn those into usability requirements. Now I spoke a year and a half ago here on usability requirements. I can't remember exactly when I spoke, but uh, I have a whole presentation not, which is not what I'm going to drill down to because that's a very lengthy presentation. But, um, and you can see they're overlapping. So it's not like analysis stops, design starts, and it happens. Um, that those design activities happen as a tail end of analysis because it's very iterative, even more so in some ways than software development. I distinguish between design prototypes and functional prototypes because functional prototypes, you really start to get into the nuts and bolts. You start worrying about which controls, not just supporting a task. You start worried about um, the interactions, how a user will sit down and use this product. Um, I also have something that I put together that supports that, the screen elements, interactions, behaviors. Uh, for instance, one of the things I'm working on now, I have a rule that says if there's a field that has to be filled out before you can click a button, the button has to be disabled. That's, that's a behavior that I want the system to follow through um, on all screens. So there's not a chance of getting that little hand slap where, oh, you need that field. You've got to go back and, and enter that field. You can't push that button until you enter the field. It prevents you from being, you know, you still have to figure out what the field is if you don't know, but um, we, we're not trying to make that kind of a system. But um, you don't get that little warning afterwards. You, it, prevents, it prevents the error before it happens. And that's the behavior I want. So part of uh, my activity at, after design, as, as design is um, starting to be firmed up, is to start defining those qualities of the interaction that I want. And to some extent, this overlaps pretty heavily with functional requirements and um, design specification work, but it guides that from a very different perspective than I find most technical people bring to the table. And then there's the user interface, which happily I don't ever have to code, but I do have to be available to review it to make sure it's conforming to um, the requirements that I've set. And um, if you know, a lot of times, you know, coders get in there, they say, well, we can't do it that way. We need to do it. I work on a lot of web applications, so I get a lot of that. Um, well, the HTML tool set we're using just doesn't support that kind of interaction. Combo boxes are really tough. We've got to do something else. And then I want to consult them on um, what that something else should be so that they don't put in something that's convoluted and techie, <laughs> if I don't have a techie audience. Throughout it all, there is usability testing. And Usability testing, I have this line weighted, the color weighting, which looks very black as opposed to the green that it is, so it's hard to tell, but you really start in here with testing things like previous projects for um, benchmark um, numbers. You look at competitor sites to do some competitive analysis. What are your users currently using? What are they familiar with? You can use, um, if you're you know, putting together a document, you can test the paper and see how efficient they are at finding the answers to problems that they're having. You can do um, surveys and um, interviews with people to find out what they are. You can start doing, um, which isn't exactly usability testing, it's more focus group type of work, but it's definitely, um, you can work in elements of usability testing into the, that activity to um, get hard data on it. Usability testing gets really intense when you start having these designs to um, put in front of users. 
So you, through into the development phase. And actually, ironically, in some ways, as you go into the testing phase of the product, you generally start slacking off on the usability phase because you're really, if you're in a truly iterative environment, you're probably starting back here a little bit in anticipation of your next phase or in the anticipation of your next release. You're still going to test because there's where you're going to have the most um, tangible and complete product, but for the same reason that you have a tangible and complete product, you don't want to do a lot of testing. It finds a lot of flaws that are going to be expensive to undo and recode and put back. Um, even if you're working with you know, documentation and it's just you sitting at Word, do you really want to rework all that stuff way back at the end when you've got almost a complete manual put together? Um, wouldn't you rather know up here with your content outline if you've got a, a, a fatal flaw in your organization or your, the language just doesn't match with what the users think? And you will have learned that if you do your user research to know what the user mental models are, what they bring to the party when they're trying to read your documentation, read your online help, read your website, use your product. So that's kind of the big overview. And as I said, this is, this is just a sampler. I mean, there's lots of different activities, a lot of different deliverables, um, but it, this covers some very key areas um, that, that usability professionals um, do. Are there any questions about that before I go into the overview of each of these areas? You've been listening to Tech Writer Voices with Karen Bachman. You can visit us online at www.techwritervoices. If you have feedback for me or for Karen, send us an email. You can send me an email at tom at techwritervoices.com or send an email to Karen at the email listed in the show notes on the site. This is part one of a three-part series, so check out part two, which is where she really starts getting into detail about usability and specific practical things that you can do to make your applications more usable.